it's me. Welcome to Jelly, the podcast where I talk about things like Jesus' life and entertainment, and my dog listens, except for when he doesn't because he's napping. For the past couple of weeks, we've been discussing life, my life specifically, an ex-boyfriend who made everything so very awkward just by existing. If the failures of others entertains you, then I encourage a binging of all four episodes. For now, we will be switching gears here and talking about Jesus. And if that topic surprises you, I encourage you to look back at the title of this podcast, which is Jelly, Jesus being the J in Jelly. So I'm calling this American Christianity Part 1, maybe because I'm an American who also happens to be Christian, maybe because I just needed a title for this thing, or maybe because I feel like these points I'm about to go through are specific to church in North America as I've experienced it, because when I've experienced Jesus in other parts of the world, it's been decidedly different. The sources for this info are my brain, my personal experience, and opinions, you've been warned. Also, an article entitled, Dear Church, Here's Why People Are Really Leaving the Church, by John Pavlovitz. I think it should have been titled, Dear Church, Here's Why People Are Leaving, so it was less redundant, but whatever, I didn't write it. Oh, also the Bible as a source, specifically the English Standard Version, or ESV. Okay, American Christianity Part 1, Church. Church is the name I'd give a cat if I ever succeeded at getting one. Church is also the generic term that my sociology professor used for all forms of worship when I attempted college for the first time. Church, and the many versions, some of which I found through a quick Google search. Bear in mind, this is all Christianity. It's just these are several different branches of the same belief. Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Church of the East, which honestly to me sounds made up like it's from the Lord of the Rings or something. No disrespect if that's your belief. I've just never heard of it. There's also Anglican, Lutheran, Reformed, Anabaptist, and I'm sure many others. Church is also the building I no longer visit. More on that later. So what are we going to talk about in this series? Well, this one, part one, is just sort of an overview for broad topics. And I hope to later get into different parts such as Christianity and all its flavors with the myths and assumptions that haunt us all. I might need some help with that. I know the church from the inside. I don't really know it from the outside or differing beliefs, so I might put a poll out there or something for you guys to assist on the Instagram at JLE Podcast. We'll also be talking about Christians versus Catholics, or maybe something less aggressive, meaning Christians and Catholics. It's not like a gladiator battle or something. They're just very similar and yet very different. It's worth talking about, I think. I'll also be doing a character study on Jesus, why I consider him to be the one and only God, and he's also my best friend. Pretty interesting person. Mary, his mom, also interesting. We'll probably be doing a case study on her too. I'll probably talk about more than one Mary. Anytime there's a Mary in the Bible, they're very interesting. So, Peter, 
one of my favorite disciples. I still personally relate to him a lot. He often acted without thinking, but he was very passionate. I personally understand why someone would cut the ear off a guy that was trying to arrest my friend. It's okay. Don't worry about it, you guys. Jesus put the ear back on. It was better than duct tape. Everything's fine. Judas, yes, we'll be talking about him. Cue the ominous music. He has a story too, and we'll get to it. Another topic I definitely want to talk about is angels and demons. Yes, they are real. Is there a point? Probably. We'll get to it. Continuing then with some of these points that this author made that I'm just referring to as formal complaints made by a blogger involving our preferences with the church as individuals, how we like to worship, the kind of music that we like, how different factions of Christianity, believe it or not, have been based off different styles of worship music. It's, what are we doing? Really? That's that divisive? Crazy. Anyway, the article said something I thought was intriguing. Sunday morning isn't making a difference on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday evening when people are wrestling with the awkward, messy, painful stuff in the trenches of life, the places where rock shows don't help. Now that quote's referring to the impact of Sunday morning, obviously, but the rock shows comment, I've heard that actually in my own life from people who think that a worship service shouldn't be like a rock concert, which in my opinion, why not? Is there, why, are there any parameters for worship music? Should it sound this way? Should it not sound this way? Is an electric guitar demonic? I don't think so, contrary to what everyone thought in the 80s. How come, how come that doesn't help? That might help me. I love a good concert. Interesting, right? Christians and their music and their worship, why is it so separated? Why is it so stuffy why is it so exclusive sometimes also this is a personal opinion but i think every christian song sounds exactly the same it's worse than country in my opinion although i do love johnny cash it's just you can put on a contemporary christian music station and you could be listening to it for hours and it just sounds like one long song where's the variety why don't we have rock and roll christmas christmas whoa why don't we have rock and roll Christian albums? Christmas music, of course, that's all worship music, but that might actually be the only faction of Christian music that sounds a little different. I'm I'm probably getting Christians mad at me. I'm going to give Christians mad at me with all of this. So I just don't think that there's variety in Christian music. I think that there should be. I'm sure I'm upsetting a lot of people who really love Lauren Daigle. I'm not saying she's not talented. I'm just saying all those songs, not just hers, sound exactly the same and it drives me crazy. Why can't there be a rock and roll album? Brian, the guy from Korn, could you make, could you please make a rock and roll Christian worship album? Maybe that would reach more people. Why, why do we think it all has to sound like one long song? You know what else sounds the same, in my opinion? The words, the buzzwords, the sermon topics. We all kind of talk about the same things in the same way, and it has driven me nuts. You know, we talk about prayer and sin and repentance, and but we don't really get into it, and we just have these buzzwords in a church. And some people don't even know what they mean or where they're coming from, so they feel left out. And then Christians, we know the answers, 
so it's like we're just so sick of hearing the same things and it just becomes dusty words we don't really explain we just sort of develop this categorical verbiage and what are we even doing you know I had a friend ask me once about the Bible and I was so excited because she was Orthodox or something and I thought this was like an opportunity to talk about my friend Jesus. So I, I was ecstatic, right? And then she just goes, no, we're just looking at a Bible because we had them all around the house, whatever. She just said, no, I just wanted to know what the little numbers meant next to the words. And I thought that was so funny and I still do. It wasn't this deep existential question at all. She just wanted to know why the verses were numbered. And that's something I think that American Christianity misses sometimes is that we're so stuck to getting to the big topics, right? Heaven, hell, eternal damnation. You know, just some light knowledge that we miss things like explaining why the verses are numbered. And sometimes the little numbers next to the verses can be as important as unraveling the purpose of John 3.16. Another quote from the article said, Talk to them plainly about love and joy and forgiveness and death and peace and God and they'll be all ears. Can I get an amen? Amen. I agree with that. Continuing. Quote, Keep up the church speak and you'll be talking to an empty room. Very true. I'm not even going to argue. Another point would be who we're helping, who we're reaching, that we either need to get out there in our communities or we just should give this up. Like, just stop going to church if you're not going to be it. Because here's the thing. Believers and non-believers, I guess you could say, the church is us as people, not a building. That Like, that's where we have service or whatever, but scripture says that we are the church as humans and then we are very quick to put it in a box or only do it on Sunday morning or only do it on during the holiday when you volunteer at shelters just love wherever you're at because that's the crux of it is love and love isn't just an adjective or a feeling it's a person and his name is Jesus and you can bring him anywhere and do anything with him And if we're not getting out there and using it, then we shouldn't be going to church. That's my opinion. That's the opinion of this article as well. But it really says something. If we're not living it, what are we doing with it? Don't even bother with it then. This article said, Rather than simply stepping into the neighborhoods around you and partnering with the amazing things already happening and the beautiful stuff God is already doing, you, meaning us, the church, seem content to franchise franchise out your particular brand of Jesus stuff and wait for the sinful world to beat down your door. We simply need to help exactly where we are and it doesn't need to look or feel or be a certain way. We just need to love as Jesus did. Another thing would be the pettiness that the church can delve into in my opinion. American Christianity is a petty institution I gotta admit. I also have to admit I love a petty party. Like when celebrities call one another out on separate stages at the VMAs and they're arguing via microphones. Or better yet, the less obvious one, when you just catch a glimpse of one superstar getting slighted by another. Chef's kiss. Just wonderful. However, in the church, 
there has to be a much more mature mission than being petty. But you know what? The church is full of people and people can be petty. So, Most importantly, the article ends with this point is the lack of love, which I am also not going to argue. If you have to ask, where's the love? It's not there. This article talked about how people are sad and broken and frustrated. I know I can relate to that, as can all of us that made it out of 2020. Life hasn't gotten much easier, and you know what? Life isn't easy, and things are always hard, so there should always be love there waiting with open arms. And if the church, which is supposed to be founded on the basis of love, and love is what? A person named Jesus, and then it's not there. What are we doing? What is the point? There isn't one. In my opinion, the church shouldn't feel like a classroom or a holding cell. It should feel like a sanctuary, and if it doesn't, whose issue is that? I think that we are the problem because as people, we can't fix ourselves and we're always going to be broken. And if we don't have love, well, we don't have anything. In my personal experience, there are some specific things that I feel are missing from the American church. There is a definite lack of depth, in my opinion. To quote part of the title of a book that I was reading and a very old saying that I found out once I looked it up. It is a mile wide and an inch deep. This was first used in reference of a river or something that dried up into a muddy puddle and they couldn't use it anymore to move the water through so they closed it down. Mile wide and an inch deep, there's really just not much depth in the church in America. We have great starter kits, is what I'll call them, of an introduction to a more fulfilled life and inclusion and love and support and cool things about Jesus and his disciples, but it doesn't go very deep in my experience. That's not bad, but it shouldn't end there. Lack of depth, a lack of sincerity, they don't tell you everything in their sermons, I suppose you could say. There's there's always more to scripture, and some preachers don't even use that much of scripture. And then, because like it can get scary, because the Bible doesn't lie to you. Why would it lie? That that would defeat the purpose. But it's like, well, we should be talking about what sins are and how they're all level, and the consequences of but churches that want to keep their numbers up or whatever don't really want to get into it because they don't want to talk about the uncomfortable stuff even though the bible you should read some of that stuff that's in there you guys like there's graphic content and it doesn't shy away though there's somebody in there she got turned into a pillar of salt i mean consequence right So there's lack of depth in American churches as well as sincerity. I also put down lack of humanity because we could all be banding together and serving the same purpose, which we all claim to do, except there's separate churches for every differing opinion. And then as a result, it's not a joint effort and we're not reaching out to those in our backyard, but we'll raise a ton of funds and go on a biannual mission trip to the Amazon when lost people are all around us. And you can be 
a wandering Christian too. You don't even need to be somebody that's not aware of what Ephesians says by grace through faith. I'm not even talking about that glorious gift. I'm just saying, what if you've been a Christian for 20 years and don't know anything about peace or how to live it or the expression of the Holy Spirit? You know, we can help all around us. And in my experience, there's a lack of humanity or human connection within the American church. There's also, in my opinion, a lack of honesty. I think that one of the things people blame churches for is being a business or getting mad about that or this, where's my money going and, and this and that. Well, bottom line is the church, although rooted in gospel, hopefully, is still a business. And maybe if they were more upfront about that and didn't just act like a like a happy-go-lucky refuge that people would be maybe a little more understanding. I don't know. Most disappointingly, in my opinion, there's a lack of knowledge on the Holy Spirit or it's mis- misrepresented in some way or frowned upon or not even acknowledged. And I don't know that much about the Holy Spirit, but I do know it's very important. It's part of the Trinity for a reason. What's the Trinity? Well, I think of it like a pretzel. It's one thing with three compartments. They're all equally important. They all keep the pretzel together. And I've never really, it took me a long time being a Christian, reading the Bible, attending services, hearing messages to get a grasp on the Holy Spirit. And I really think that's something we should learn out the gate. I think of it as the electricity behind the words of scripture. So if you don't have any power, well, you can't even use it. Why did I stop going? Oh, thanks for asking. Well, a lot of them can be chalked up to personal grievances or, quote, irreconcilable differences, end quote. Don't you love that reasoning on divorce papers? Like, who doesn't have irreconcilable differences. I do. It's just I'm not willing to reconcile right now. I'm not saying I never will. It's just a lot of things irritated me. And then I was just like, whatever, I'm done here. So I had a lot of personal grievances. I wasn't happy with the lack of depth, you know, mile wide, inch deep, surface level sermons that, you know, you'd cycle through in a year. And then I heard them so often I felt like I could preach them myself, which is absolutely not a brag. It's just they didn't dig into scripture when they totally could have. We have a lot of starter churches. They reach a lot of people and then they don't grow them and then nothing really happens. It's kind of weird. Maybe they think people are scared of more accountability or something or knowing the truth. But if you have a church that's supposed to be based on the truth of Christ, then you're not telling people the whole truth. Like, what are you doing? So there was a lack of depth, in my opinion. And then, of course, I was involved with a mega church for years and years. And uh, it got dramatic, to say the least, between people and groups and whatever. And I was like, you know, I brought it up to the leaders. And I was one of them. And I said... We're supposed to be learning more about Christ and getting connected that way. And I know we're all going to bring our baggage directly or indirectly, but this is becoming very dramatic in terms of relationships and whatnot. And I don't, it was never really acknowledged in my opinion. They never 
tried to right the ship, I guess, in terms of focus, and then it just got very dramatic and petty, and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Recycled information. I already kind of said that. You hear the same things over and over again, and then it stops mattering to you, I guess. And then there was also a lot of showboating, like just casual brags to overtone brags, and it was like, okay, I'm like in this sermon, and I would be like, maybe I'm being hypersensitive and critical and comparing my life to yours, but why do I have to hear about all the accomplishments of your family, Pastor, when I'm here to learn about these verses? I got sick of that. There was also things that, opportunities to be like Jesus that certain outreaches could have been a part of and they didn't do that and I didn't like that. You know, people would stop showing up or fall on hard times and they didn't really reach out to them and I was like, why aren't we helping our own? You know what I mean? There was one leader, he was a good leader and then all of a sudden he sort of disappeared and then I later heard rumors that he was back on drugs or something and to my knowledge no one tried to be there for him in a loving way. I didn't like the actions of the church after years and years. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. This is just the introduction, you know, and all of the reasons that I listed, the fact that believers are weird and don't really seem to have a personality after they come to Christ, I don't know what that's about. I, Jesus never told me not to be sarcastic or funny or whatever. Of course, like, he refines things. Like, I couldn't have a blazing temper anymore or whatever, but he converts it. It, it became passion. So I, for some reason, have encountered so many odd people that believe in Jesus. It's like their only focus, the only thing they can talk about. Everything feels like it's a sin. Like, calm down. Could you imagine if Jesus was like that? Like, oh, I can't go out today. I, I don't know. I, can I wear that? Whoa. Like, no, it's about love. Just carry the love with you and you'll be convicted if need be. And, you know, I, everybody's a work in progress. I never understood the personality change with a spiritual conversion. I don't know why people struggle with that. I wish I could help more people. You don't have to be weird. Just take Jesus with you. So yeah, I mean, the lack of depth, the drama amongst people, the recycled sermons and topics I was hearing, the showboating, I was sick of all that. And all of those are my opinions and personal experience and should not under any circumstances prevent anyone from seeking the camaraderie that Jesus brings. Because he's the real deal. The church might be annoying and it could definitely be improved upon, but it should not be given up on. If anything, we need to revamp it now more than ever, but Jesus is a separate thing, and he's such a rock star and so awesome. I think it was Gandhi, it was another spiritual leader, that much I know, that said, I like your Christ, I just don't like your Christian. Some spoken word snaps, 100% agree. People drive me crazy. Like I said, we're all a work in progress. So what's good about the church? Does American Christianity have good parts going for it? Yeah, great, glad you asked. So there is an abundance of knowledge, 
Although there may be a lack of depth, there is an abundance of knowledge, and if you want to find that depth, you got to dig for it, but you can find it. So how cool is it that we get to live in a nation full of knowledge on biblical concepts that have been authenticated over decades and decades and decades and centuries and centuries? It's just so interesting. Like, and it goes back so far. These biblical concepts, biblical times, biblical leaders, biblical characters that were just as flawed as all of us, we get to learn. I think knowledge is abundant, and it's something the church does well. Another thing American Christianity does well, we know how to celebrate. When that worship music is good, and I've been in churches, thank God, where it was awesome, I mean, you can feel the joy, which is far different than happiness. It's more of a a state of being. To feel the celebration when it's based in Christ is an awesome, awesome thing. And worship, which is pretty synonymous with celebration, is a good time. Church knows how to celebrate. The church is supportive. If you want it to be, you can find your support, and that's a good thing. Whether it's at your job, at your gym, at your church, there is support within American churches. It's also a place of abundant resources. I've always thought that was awesome that I live in America with freedom of worship and religion, and I can go pick up any Bible, any sermon, any book, any anything about stuff surrounding Jesus and I could just absorb it. It is a little sad to me that we have all these different resources and ways to learn an abundance of knowledge and yet we just seem so poor in so many spiritual aspects. But if you utilize the resources and you focus on yourself and you grow in what you know, it's very, very awesome. And I don't know if other nations have as much privilege in terms of resource about Christ that North America does. So I'm very thankful for that. I'll end this overview, American Christianity Part 1 here, with a verse from the book of Job, which reads, Keep listening to my words and let this be your comfort. Job chapter 21, verse 2. Thanks for listening to Jelly. I'm so glad I got to tell you a story. I can't wait to tell you another. See you next Tuesday.